Welcome to the Behind the Racket Pod, the podcast taking you behind the racket with today's top tennis players and biggest issues facing the sport. Behind the Racket is a community to give fans and players in the world of tennis the opportunity to open up like they have never done before. Visit BehindTheRacket.com for the latest stories, merch, as well as direct links to all of the latest podcasts. It can also be found on iTunes, Google Play, Pandora, Stitcher, and wherever you find your podcasts. Download the episodes and make sure to leave a review. And we want you to be a part of the conversation. Find me at NoahRubin33 or Mike at MikeCTennis on all forms of social media. You can also learn more at BehindTheRacket.com or MikeCTennis.com. Special thanks to my sponsor, New Balance. Visit their latest shoes and styles at NewBalance.com and learn more about their program of giving back at hashtag NBGivesBack. You can also help support the podcast by visiting Patreon.com slash BehindTheRacketPod and receive rewards from our travels around the world. And now... Well, as we head into the middle of June, a full exhibition schedule over the weekend is by the wayside now with some locations, hundreds of fans just cheering and gathering with no masks and uh, <laughs> other areas where you're just having some just good tennis. Some It's different. There's apparently Uno cards that are also being played in the middle of the <laughs> UTS. Um, but uh, as we rejoin you, uh, Noah, myself, we want to make sure we thank our latest Patreon supporters before we go anywhere else. So Alex K, a $4 supporter, and Peter James. Thank you guys both for supporting the podcast. And don't forget, you can do so as well at patreon.com slash behind the racket pod. And we really do appreciate that support. Um, we are continuing to kind of put that money aside so that whenever tennis is once again able to happen on a grander scale, mm. we will use it in a way to enhance the podcast. And it's just kind of sitting Not there. That Paris really waiting. wants Mike around the area. Any Well, considering that Tulsa right now is, uh, <laughs> we're actually seeing massive spikes in COVID cases over yep. the last week, which is, of course, of course, the lag from two weeks ago, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, and we're about to get the Trump rally in in less than a week now. That's exciting. Um, I, I'm I'm genuinely like, okay, like take the politics out of it for a second. Yeah. The fact that you have a a a, a gentleman in in president trump who is on on one side of 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 this debate about quote-unquote law and order plus you obviously have the rest of the world if you will who are saying it's there needs to be an end to systemic racism in in law enforcement you've got these two competing sides right and i'm and and you're going to have twenty thousand people packed into the bok center in downtown tulsa and you're going to have protests from from the other side, the Black Lives Matters side, if you will, I am terrified of what potentially could happen. I mean, and the COVID stuff on top yeah, of it, because you mean, know the, those are going to be unnecess- twenty thousand people without masks. <laughs> right. No, the unnecessary, uh, you know, backing behind this whole campaign of why come out here right now is beyond me. How you are going to literally motivate people to gather for right or for wrong just to be next to each other during these times you put 
all the race inequality to the side um, because what's happening with that is unbelievable. Like we're still in the 1800s, but you have Trump saying we should be gathering right now. That is an okay thing to do. And you know how, you know, where you and I are with all of this and then especially, you know, taking it on the smaller scale for us in the world of tennis yeah. and, you know, how it's been definitely a topic of discussion and I've gone my backlash from Djokovic fans that, um, you know, aren't enough of a person to actually be their own name on Twitter handles. It sure. has to be Djokovic fan, of course, right? Right. Um, yeah, I, you just, you question. You question where everybody's heads are at, where the people running certain things from the country to tennis, where are their heads at? Let's get into some of the tennis-related stuff. Yes. Um, you were part of an ATP phone call oh, last yes, week. Um, f- for those who might not be familiar with what, what that phone call was for, Give us an explanation so we can kind of understand and get, you know, behind the scenes, behind the racket, if you will, (laughs) of the phone call. Yeah. So we got an email basically saying, hey, tennis players, we're going to let you in on what we've been working on for the past X amount of months, three and a half months, Mm -hmm. let's say. We're going to help you understand what we've been talking about, because obviously we don't want you a part of it, but this is our way for joining you guys together. So you click on the link. It's whatever morning, 10 a.m., and you have the ATP, which is Andrea Condenzi, who is the ATP mm-hmm. president, excuse me. You have the US Open with uh, Stacey Allister, mm-hmm. you have Eric Buderak, and you have approximately 390 tennis players. Okay. Ranking-wise, this is where I was lost a little bit. I think it, it was spanning. You're okay. talking from Warinka to kind of around 400 in the world. I was seeing a few in that area, I think. Yeah. So, Definitely some, you know, back and forth. You had doubles and singles as well. This is just men. Okay. Basically, throughout this phone call, um, for the first period of time, was talking about the U.S. Open. The U.S. Open spoke and gave their three different circumstances. The first one was, we're going to be playing in New York with the Cincinnati. Cincinnati Mm -hmm. will be having a normal tournament. It will have main draw and qualifying at the U.S. Open. Then the next week will be a U.S. Open main draw with a um, shortened doubles draw. I think 24 teams is what they came up with. Yeah. So no qualifying, no extended doubles. That was the first suggestion. The second one would be take out Cincinnati, put in qualifying, and the full doubles draw. And then the final one was obviously cancellation. You know, so we're listening to this and a billion things go across their heads. Points, you know, if, if you're, are you going to help 256 players once or 100 players twice? That was really the main idea of this. Yeah. Where does money come in? You're really, we found out that points are actually a part of bar- broadcasting rights, which makes sense to a certain extent. But Explain then after, that. So they said, so basically within the contracts within ESPN and the US mm-hmm. Open, if there are no points, um, renegotiations can partake. Mm, got it. Okay. So I guess it basically comes down to the authenticity of the event is really okay. what it, yep. it comes I down to. I understand that. Okay. But here we are as qualifying players saying, we can't play. You guys have two tournaments. We have none. And we already know challengers are being canceled. It's one thing to make it a large prize money event. Where do we get our points? We're, now the, the point gap is going to be right. extreme. Because my understanding is that they also did discuss that uh, people who would be in qualifying would receive qualifying first round money, if, if my understanding is correct. 
Yes. So, you know, after a couple of conversations on the outside, I'll go a little bit to the back. Yeah. They, you know, US Open understand how difficult of a situation this is. Making a, another bubble, quote unquote, a safe bubble for players to be playing qualifying and then remove them for main draw players, I think they underestimated the cost behind that. Mm. With that being said, they would give a stipend, and which we found out is basically first round qualifying, plus challengers on top of it to hopefully even out the point distribution and also the money distribution. So at least there is thought behind it. Yeah. Where the problem started taking place were certain players coming out and saying, hey, how do I play a Grand Slam with only one person on my entourage? Right. That was the first point. The first point was they were, and then, you know, US Open responded, you know, maybe you have the room, maybe two rooms you can bring, you know, people, the physio can stay in your room. And they, that wasn't good enough for them. So here we are, um, you know, not playing qualifying because there is none. You have somebody who's not playing challengers and listening to somebody top 30 in the world complain about not having enough players to play a Grand Slam. I understand what it means to play three out of five sets. That doesn't, that doesn't, I mean, you can't go against everything that's taking place in the world today and disregard everything that's happening with that, you know, tone deafness, you know, insensitivity that says, I can't play this event without that. That was the first point that I think affected a lot of players. <laughs> and the second one was saying basically, and the half point is true is that, you know, they need the players right now. They do to get the streaming rights yeah. and everything that we should be getting more money for first round main draw. Right. Basically, Galdenzi's like, are you freaking kidding me? It's absurd. You, you want to go in the paper. You want the headlines to be that 70K isn't enough for you right now while people businesses are being burned down, while people are losing their jobs left and right and still cannot work. Specifically, um, as somebody who's worked with the USTA for so many years, you had 110 people at the USTA who lost their jobs yes. this past week. Just to make very, it work. Yes, it was a very, very difficult week for people I know and think incredibly highly of. Um, and I know there are some people you know very well um, that, that you've even worked with over the last couple of years who have lost their jobs. So that, that's kind of the backdrop as somebody is asking for more money for that first round appearance. More money and the fact that we're giving you a tournament with still 95% of the prize money of last year. Mm. Nothing's dropping besides you're not playing in front of fans. We're giving you that prize money and you're complaining that the physios at the ATP might not be good enough for your two weeks there. Like, shut the fuck up. Like, just understand what is actually taking place. I mean, I, you know, I could, I held my breath for as long as I could until I spoke in front of them. Um, and then just basically said, like, what are we doing here? Like, what is actually happening? This was past the US Open. US Open left. Actually, we're sick. I, I think Gaudenzi and the Open didn't really know what this was going to be about. Mm. <laughs> you know, this was, I, in my head, I envisioned an hour Zoom call. It was three and a half hours. Sure. So, you know, we have people speaking left and right, and, you know, Gaudenzi literally said, this is not a democratic place to be in. We'll take suggestions, but there are too many opinions to actually hear from everybody. At the time, there was really only one opinion. It was like, don't play with points, give us the chance, you know, let's move forward. Let's try to evolve tennis in this meantime, play our exhibitions and get out of here kind of thing. But it was just learning a lot. It was, it was you know, getting to this point of how unorganized and the lack of communication and not seeing any of the big three there you know you're coming out and you're you have the top three and i've been 
you know, basically crucified for saying this kind of stuff. But, you know, if Djokovic wants to be at the forefront, you know, I've, I've put away Nadal and Federer because I haven't spoken to them at all. But Djokovic, I had, you know, obviously these pictures of him playing soccer have surfaced around the time. So you can make time for that, but you can't get in the Zoom call for 30 seconds, a minute and a half to share, to know that you're a part of something that I can talk to you. You know, stuff like that makes me, you know, fully aware of the logistical nightmare that is tennis and how there are too many moving parts and how it really is a lost cause in the end. A couple of things here, because I don't think tennis is alone necessarily right now in terms of, you know, trying to sort out to play or not to play. Right now, uh, Major League Baseball, they're really dealing with essentially a labor dispute about how much players should be paid when they are potentially going to have to go through some very difficult challenges. Um, NBA right now, they're trying to sort that out. And frankly, players are, you know, having these social media uh, discussions about whether it's even appropriate to play as the Black Lives Matters protests continue within our country. I am struck by the fact that you have um, players who I, I respect very much, John Millman being one of them, who, who voiced his opinion this week, celebrated his birthday, I believe, this weekend as well, 31 years of age. But he said, you know, why, why are we even thinking about ho- holding the U.S. Open right now in New York, which has been so hard and, and so affected so, so drastically? Um, I can't blame a lot of players for if they were to say, I don't feel comfortable, I don't feel safe going to New York right now, flying across the world. I can't blame them for that. Not that being said... What I can't do is watch what happened with with Novak's exhibition Mm -hmm. with thousands of people packed into stands with players hugging, kissing. I can't do that and also say, don't have the U.S. Open. Though you you can't tell me that those two are on the same level. If you're going to do that, if you're going to do that and feel comfortable with that, you better be a part of the discussion of how we start making tennis work again. 100%. You have to be, because if you are the damn on the player council and you're doing your own shit, instead of worrying about the grander scheme of the sport, the players who are not amongst the top 50 and really need to earn a effing paycheck right now, if you're too busy doing your own shit, you're off the player council right now. And yeah. that's fine. I get that Novak and others, I get, let's talk Novak specifically. He's chasing history. When he talks about needing the physio and multiple coaches, I get it from that perspective. The idea of being the greatest of all time, the most grand slams, I get it. That means a lot, and he has to look out for his own interest in that regard. Then you're not the player council president. You're not on the player council at all. That's, that's fine. All, that's all we have argued. You know, it's this idea of we understand what Federer, Nadal, and Djokovic have done for the history of tennis. Yes, 100%. Undisputed. But don't put yourself in a situation like this where you're relied on now. Yes. If you want to look out for yourself, look out for yourself. This sport was built for that. But then don't put yourself in a situation where others rely on you. I can't get in touch with anybody else. I don't know what it is. So I don't know what's happening. My, this, the Players' Council is really, truly built for that. And if I can't get in touch with you, if you're not helping me out, if you can't get in on a fucking Zoom call, what is the point of all of this? And, you know, I'm just looking. I'm talking to these people. We're talking to Gaudenzi. And I'm just looking and I'm like, where do we go? I literally, I had 
players texting me after saying, Noah, what did you think about that? Mm. And I said, that just literally concluded everything I've been worrying about this whole time, what Mike and I have been talking about this whole time. My concern was, are we going to look in three months from now, literally, I said three months from now, at the beginning of this and say nothing changed. Nothing's changed. We've only gone downhill. And without that, we're going to find ourselves in a place where we can't recover from. I mean, they're talking about putting challengers, let's say, in New York and, you know, in Europe. We have South America, Australia. You're telling me they have to fly there. And if they don't, now they've lost their ranking. Now they have no livelihood. Right. They have no paycheck. I just don't understand. I mean, you look at this. It is too global of a sport. There are too many moving parts to actually get anything fucking done. And it's embarrassing. And for people, now we know, push comes to shove, they don't care. They don't care because if they did, they would make the adjustments necessary and we haven't seen them. We haven't seen them. I wish you were part of the call. You would have laughed. You would have laughed. And you have like Napolitano reaching out and just looking so distraught because he doesn't know what to do. He yeah. does not know what to do. And that was it. I, I spoke for you know, three minutes just to show face and, and kind of share my point of view. And I'm just like, why? Why are we doing this? Why aren't we using this time, scrap the season, let's evolve. It's six months in the history of tennis. If we can use the six months to actually say we got somewhere with this sport, we will never regret this time. But now, come on, we're so far behind. It is embarrassing. So one of the things I spoke about on, on Twitter this week, and I know you and I mentioned it like briefly a few weeks ago, and I kind of wanted to flesh out this idea right now. You know, your, your idea with evolving team-based, uh, all, all of that, mm -hmm. uh, I'm going to just put that to the side for a second. So if we talk about just how we kind of progress for the rest of the season, um, just in terms of more traditional ways, we can do this regionally. Mm -hmm. um, we, what that takes, though, is it takes the, the USTA and the US Open to kind of back away a little bit. It takes the French Federation and the French Open to kind of back away a little bit. And, and frankly, I think it would also take Tennis Australia and the Australian Open maybe to back away just a little bit as well, because I think we're going to still be in the same spot in January. But you have, let's just say for shits and giggles, top 400 players, okay? You start working on doing geographic pods. Mm -hmm. Let's say North America. Let's say South America. Asia and Australia. Western Europe and uh, uh, Eastern Europe, excuse me, and Western Asia, Eastern Europe, uh, along with Africa, right? But set up these regional pods so that it's equal amounts of players in each pod from that top 400. You set up tournaments, eight weeks of tournaments, something along those lines, eight to 10 tournaments the rest of the year, so that the top 50, 60 from each of those regions is able to play in those events with prize money, with television guaranteed from existing ATP contracts and WTA, don't, don't get me wrong, we're just obviously spitballing here, but you set that up so that each region has eight events. Points would be decided based on how many players inside certain ranking points are in. So if you have three players who are inside the top 10, you get an extra 100 points, however you do that mathematically, right? But then those eight to 10 points are building towards their own mini slam at the end, right? And you do seedings based on that. And then that sets up season, a, a mini season for the end of the year with that prize money from the US Open, from the French Federation. The problem is, and I know you're like, you're smiling and, and laughing. You know just as well as I do that 
again, and I understand why, because they, you know, this is how it's set up. The USTA can't give up that kind of money right now. The, the French Federation can't give up that kind of money right now. Tennis Australia couldn't give up that kind of money right now. I mean, just but, quickly, but, the U.S. Yeah. Open, if it's not played, they don't have money. Right. When I, when I say zero, they have zero dollars. They'll still be afloat. They will have zero dollars, though, just perspective-wise. Yeah, um, no, I mean, it's you can – how much of their budget, the USTA's operating budget, comes from the U.S. Open every year? The problem is we haven't seen that they can join hands. That's my issue. Nobody joins hands. Nobody has shown that they can work cooperatively together. They are looking out for themselves, whether it's players, whether it's federations. They are looking out for themselves until push comes to shove and, you know, they have to do something for Twitter. But besides that, they are looking out for themselves. So, yes, this should be time for experimenting, whether it's team events, whether it's individual, whether you're being mic'd up, which we're seeing a little bit. And this should be expanded upon greatly. This Mm -hmm. should be the time where we show... Um, you know, people are complaining about the Mortoglu rules already and the UTS showdown. Yeah, they're confusing as fuck. But who cares? Let them try right. something. Why right. It's do an you exhibition. Care? Who gives it's a an shit? Exhibition. They're having fun. They had a, you know, a sudden death point today. Like it's different. Let them try something. It doesn't mean anything. So this is the time to experiment. This is the time to see. But, you know, looking at it, the biggest experiment is geographic. You need to see if we can play amongst ourselves, if we can stay inside the U.S., whether it means that, you know, in the future there is normal Grand Slams that we fight for. Let's say there's the top four events. But then in our geography, we're just there. We are there traveling maybe with a team singles or team event or individually. We are just there. And it cuts down the expenses. It cuts down the logistics. You have commissioners, let's say, of the U.S., of the Australia. and, And then it. You know, there's a little bit where you can actually govern that body. Right Right now, it's like a free-for-all. We're like chickens without our heads, just running around in circles, hoping that something sticks. We're being super reactive. We talk about this all the time. I say the word all the time. We've wasted time, and it will, I mean, this is going to keep happening. You know, even if best-case scenario, U.S. Open and French happen, there's still no challengers. You know, that's two tournaments. That's two tournaments for the guys that are outside of 120 in the world. That is two events. We are done. What happens next? Yeah, I, I, I think the, the, the big issue financially is, you know, just how are we going to, how are we going to take care of those smaller events? Um, you know, n- worldwide, um, so many of the futures that you and I have attended and challengers are, are local community events. We are in the midst of a worldwide recession that doesn't look like it's going to get a lot better um, very quickly, how how do we as a, a sport come together to try and make sure we have those events healthy? Um, you know, it, it, I, I don't I don't have the the right answer for that necessarily myself, but I, I do know that nobody's talking about that side. We're talking about the U.S. Open. We're talking about the French Open and potentially some ATP and WTA events at the end of the year, but we're not having that discussion about the health of the this. The, the, the lower future. levels. Yeah, the know, talk about talk about baseball too. Um, they uh, hundreds of minor league baseball players were essentially just let go this the, the last couple of weeks, just completely let go. Right. So you have a you know it's it's not just tennis here. No. Uh, baseball their their minor league system essentially equivalent to challengers, equivalent to futures, completely gutted, right. um, so that the highest levels can sustain itself. Um, we can't do that in tennis. We can't do that because 
yeah, there are those, let's say, 20 or 30 men and women on both sides who essentially kind of keep the ecosystem going by being the stars and the ones that kind of drive things. But you need people to help kind of build them up and make sure that there, there are people to fill tournaments that are of good quality and have that monumental upset in the, the second and third rounds. I mean, those are crucial and also to build the sport in uh, as a whole i mean god binghamton new york that's that's their crown jewel every summer is that that right. tennis event i play you kyle edmund there and then he gets fourth round of the open you know those yeah. are the things that happen you know <laughs> right. you laugh at it but that's that's how it works and you know this pandemic has obviously highlighted the issues among sports overall but it shined a light on tennis like never before showing just the discrepancy between sports and how poorly it is truly organized when put if one speed bump hits obviously this is a major one but speed bumps hit we can't we we can't endure this so you know i we actually had a phone call with like you know a few player people from us open um that ran the um river oaks tournament in houston uh, houston and we had an agent we had new balance representative so we had all these guys on a call just getting different minds going and, and seeing mm-hmm. what we can come up with. And, you know, we, you know, speaking um, to the woman that was running River Oaks, I, you know, I was like, are you guys going to be okay? Like, you're planning next year. Do you have it? They're like, you know, you know, we're super fortunate, but I know other people, 250s, 500s, that won't be able to continue. They're losing yeah. that one big sponsor. They're losing those two sponsors because in their own business, they're struggling. Yeah. And that's it. That is it. And for people to understand, for 250s, it really is one, two sponsors. For challengers, it definitely is. Yeah. You lose that, you don't have a tournament. USDA can't even pay for the US Open. They're not paying for the, they don't, they don't have the money. It's not there. So that's why it's like you're looking at it and you're like, where do we go from here? Where can we go? Is it time that we have a competing league? Something smaller, something within the US, something, getting something going. You know, expanding on Morotoglu, seeing where, you know, what substance really that brings. I think it is. Because, again, I got off this call and I said, nothing's getting by them. Nothing nothing has been done. Nothing's getting by them. I don't envy their position, but nothing has been done. I, I have... How do I say this, Noah? <laughs> I don't... I don't... I don't know that the team, nece- you and I have talked about this. I don't know that teams are necessarily the answer. I don't know. I, I'm not sure. Right. I can tell you, though, the way we're doing it right now with all these just like exhibitions here and exhibitions there, if this is what happens for the rest of the year, we're cooked. Right. 100%. I, I mean, there, your, your interest level <laughs> in those, yeah, is, is it's niche in a niche market as it is. Right. Um, so I love tennis, and I actually I enjoy too. watching, and I could not. I mean, I was watching some great tennis. I was watching Dibinar and Duhar. I mean, this mm. is solid fucking yeah. tennis. <laughs> and I was like, no. Like, this, whatever it was, without the fans, without the excitement, without people talking, and without the players really getting pumped up and you know getting mic'd up or screaming or having fun, nothing. Turned it off immediately. So you're 100% right. If this is the way we're going, there is no future. This is the time to really sit down with people that care, visionaries, people that care. That was it. I mean, there's just lack of vision and say, hey, guys, what can we do right now? We have five months. Let's see what we can do. I wanted to just also just take a second and mentioned it earlier um, with the USDA job cuts. Um, You know, I 
there are some really good people. Um, Nico Tadero, um, Ryler DeHart, who I've known since he was 16, 17 years of age, who lost his job this week. Um, people I, you've known for since you were 10, 12 mm-hmm. years of age. Um, really good people who are, you know, unfortunately part of these cuts. And it's a really hard existence for so many people right now. Um, I just wanted to personally tell those people thank you um, for their many years of, of trying to help support in whatever way U.S. tennis. It has been a very difficult road for, for those of us Americans here in the States to try and get um, tennis to, to grow again. Um, there have been you know, some positive steps. There have been some steps back. But I, I know that uh, so many people care so passionately and many of them were were amongst that 100 group of 110 who lost their job um their jobs this past week so i i just wanted to say that you know it, yes we're, we're talking about the u.s open and the growth of of the sport globally and, and all that but we lost a little bit here in the states um this week and i i get it the the finances are very difficult but i i just wanted to say to those people you know, you're, you, what you've done for the sport hasn't gone, gone unnoticed. Um, and I, I hope that they uh, continue to help grow the sport um, uh, here in the States in maybe different ways um, because they're, they're, those contributions don't go unnoticed, unnoticed. No, I mean, like you said, I mean, these are people that I've spent literally my childhood with, <laughs> grew yeah. up with, um, and what they've done to the sport is unsurmountable i mean it's it's pretty incredible so yeah. i think you know while listening to the players at the top talk about how it's difficult for them to play the event with only two people and i'm like this guy doesn't have a job anymore yeah. and you're complaining and then you hear people give you the reasons for why you shouldn't and you still complain and you know who you are I'm like, i don't need to call you out on here it's just it's embarrassing it's tone deaf it's insensitive it's embarrassing and that's why, I mean, that's why the sport's in the place where it is. It's not just the people at the top, it's the players as well, unaware of how significant their voice is, the pedestal that they, that I put them on. You know, even though they're my rivals in one way or another, and I'll get shit for that because I suck at tennis, I get it. They are my rival. I We put them on a pedestal because they have the voice to speak. And when they say stuff like that, it takes our sport 20, 30 years back because then we're fighting more battles. Every single day we're putting this on a list of here's another thing we have to you know, overcome. This is another thing we have to do. People losing their jobs. There's bigger thing out there. There's riots. We're still facing race inequality right now. I don't give a shit if you have one or two people there. Go on a fucking lacrosse ball and massage your own fucking body, okay? Like there's big things happening. You know, we just have to look for look out for each other, and and you know, again, on our smaller scale, use this time to evolve. Stop wasting our time. You know, I'm I'm already planning. I'm already talking about another league, seeing if it's possible, seeing if there's enough stick it to the man, quote unquote, people out there that would support something like this. I think it's the only way to go, um, because like everything else in the news nowadays. Um, it seems insurmountable at times, it's, you know, within the ATP and the seven entities that come along with it. And, uh, you know, we're doing our part, but we need, a, you know, we need a lot of other people alongside us. So, you know, we'll see how it goes. I'm a firm believer in that we will, um, uh, the world, not, a, not just our country, will bounce back financially. Mm-hmm. Um, I think here in the States, you are, you're going to see change in, in terms of, 
racial inequality specifically when it comes to law enforcement. I think that's going to continue to change and evolve and get better. I do believe in that. Um, but within our within our little world of, of tennis, we've got some real work to do. Um, and, and quite frankly, maybe just too many people are talking. Um, it's, yeah. it's just my way of thinking about it. Uh, how are you guys doing? You went to Minnesota just for a day, you, you yeah, and, and the missus? Luckily, it was, the four cops were convicted uh, either the day before or the day of arrested. we got there. Arrested. Oh, sorry, I'm sorry. Yes, arrested, not convicted. One can only wish. But um, that, you know, definitely calmed the hearts of a lot of people. I, I think that was one of the major, major issues. Obviously, there's a lot of other things going on, but was this idea that they are running free, you know, doing mm -hmm. what they did and just in their homes. Um, so that definitely quieted things down. Honestly, when we left Minnesota... People are like, you're really going to New York right now? You know, yeah. that's where you want to be. Um, yeah, I mean, we talk about tennis. I think we have to say this as well. It's it's incredible. I mean, the race inequality that is still faced day in day out. You know, I'm Jewish, and I can and I can say it, I don't I can't feel what they feel. You know, I'm white, so I don't I don't understand what it means to feel that fear. And you know, I'm trying to listen as much as I can, educate myself as much as I can. I know you are as well, and you're at a different epicenter. New York is obviously one and now Tulsa is at, you know, yeah. at the forefront of the conversation. But, you know, let us know what we can do. You know, we're we're always open to helping. We want to be there for for everybody. Um and It's been support. also very cool to see Naomi Osaka, Coco yes. Goff, Francis Tiafo, among others who are stepping forward and using their voice, their profile um to draw some attention to it. I I I've it's needed. Uh, it is, and I, I, you know, I when when I saw Francis's video, you know, I, I've known you and I have known Francis for forever. <laughs> uh, he's always just such a happy-go-lucky uh, individual, and to see him in that moment, in that uh, manner, was powerful for me, uh, emotional for me, um, and that was a, a really, um, I, I'm I'm happy to see it um, yeah. from from that young man. No, this this least. idea of quote unquote just keep dribbling. You know, we hear this yeah, a lot. Right. You know, just play your sport. No, these are the these are the people that impact the world. The fact that we have them at the forefront of our sport, we're very fortunate too. I think, you know, that this is our hope for the next generation, not just in yep. tennis but in the world, is that we have people that are willing to speak out that are, aren't afraid. Um, I'll you know I'll do my place to stand out, but again the prejudice that I face is nothing compared to what they face and you know we want to do our part to help but to have them leading the conversation I mean these, these are uh, you know fearless people it really is it's truly yep. remarkable so again you know we could talk about tennis non-stop and it's in a shitty fucking place right now thanks to everybody at the top wow that was violent but, yeah but um <laughs> I still believe in the sport and I believe in the people backing it. And, and again, as a worldwide, I, I, I have a feeling this could be a turning point. I'm, I'm, you know, it's tough to say excitement about possibility, but I, I, I think this could be the time that people come out and vote. You know, as simple as that. Bring your fucking computer, sit online and vote. Just do that. I think that's the first step right now. So, again, to end it on a more positive note, going back to tennis, it's a beautiful, beautiful sport, insane athletes around it. I think we could find a way to bring it back to the for forefront of sports. I really do. You look uh, fantastic. I'll, I'll say that. Uh, <laughs> Base tan? Uh, I mean, yeah, you've been spray tanning. I appreciate that. I oh, mean, you yeah. set up w one of your own showers in your house um, for that. That was really nice. 
Uh, I have. I got to tell you, I've been om- swimming almost every day uh, really? because my five-year-old she loves just walking down to the pool. Is uh, she a swimmer though? Yeah, yeah. She oh, takes nice. swimming lessons every week. That's the one. That's we're we're a high-risk family, um, and that's her one activity um, every week. Is she has a swimming lesson? I heard um, you can every float, Sunday, which is pretty cool. I can. Uh, I actually. <laughs> I I have nothing in my body anymore. It's all just like. Kind of just said, you know what, we're done. Thanks. Uh, it was a good run. Uh, so I have got, you know, just full of air and maybe some and disappointment, you know, <laughs> hatred, hatred of myself, self hatred and, and fear. Um, yeah, but, but yeah. no. So no, that's good. It's been it's been a lot of fun, and I I've got uh, my my freckles all over my very mm. white pasty tubby body are starting to really pop out and say, hello, we've we're been back. here the whole time. <laughs> Waiting for this moment. Oh, We've gotten God. larger. <laughs> On a separate note, like for me, you know, to play without the anxiety of there's a tournament tomorrow yeah, has right. been immense. I mean, just a quick side story is like Jamie texted me. And he's like, everything okay? And I'm like, yeah, I'm sorry. Like I literally, I told her I was playing an hour. I was on yeah. the court for 245 without even thinking. Yeah. Just mm. enjoying tennis. And that's why I say like, this sport brings around incredible people. Who are you it hitting was, with? Uh, college kids. There's okay. some kids from Ohio State. You have some kids from William Mary. More than good enough to, you know, practice with. Um, so it's been really enjoyable, and uh, possibly working on building a behind the racket tennis court. Okay. Noah, <laughs> um, take care of yourself. All right. Yeah, you as well. I, I miss you. I really do, Mike. Yeah. Okay. I mean, you still have somewhat of a mohawk, which is disappointing. But yeah, I might. I might come off this week. Okay. But we'll no, seriously, I think. Uh, I'm still hopeful, you know, whether yeah, I too. use the word lost cause or not, I, I think we, we can get over this. I think there's enough good people in the world outside of tennis and inside that we, we can get through this. It's just, it takes some true looking inward from everybody right now during this time um, to be honest with yourself and say, hey, I have to do this better. You know, I wasn't doing this well enough and I think we've all done it um, and we have to continue. The show might be over, but the conversation isn't. Join us on social media at NoahRubin33, at MikeCTennis, and at Behind the Racket. Expect new episodes every Monday or Tuesday. And don't forget to leave us a rating on iTunes. It really helps us expand and reach more listeners as we take you Behind the Racket.